Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the Ocean Protect Podcast talking about the issues that face our oceans and what we can do about it. Presented by Ocean Protect, committed to change. Welcome, Laura Wells, to our little show. Thanks. We'd have to say that we were, uh, I first met Laura um, at the Ocean Lovers Festival, mm-hmm. and we were the kids up the back, drinking, talking smack. Um, and Brad, you dropped a few truth bombs that day. Boom, no, always. And no one... Go back to you. So there was a panel discussion around a movie uh, that was discussed at the Ocean Lovers Festival and Dr. Karen Phelps was one of the panellists and I just got up and said, hey, California uh, are achieving or on track to achieve a zero litre to ocean target. Why can't Australia? There's a whole bunch of pollution in our oceans, a whole bunch of plastic, 80% of it is coming from our land, uh, getting there via stormwater. We can stop this. That, that's a big bad problem but we can solve it. Uh, why can't Why can't we do it right now and – would you be interested in actually being the champion and advocate for that? And did she give it to you? She didn't answer my question. <laughs> <laughs> in true political fashion. Yeah. yeah. And what, what, anno- what annoyed the bejeebas out of me in particular was there was a, a council staff member who got up and said, oh, yeah, we know it's a problem, but council's doing everything we can to, to uh, solve that problem. And I just felt like saying, total bullshit. Oh, that is. Anyway, anyway, um, so <laughs> we obviously do a lot of research before our podcast, uh, which involved us uh, going through uh, Google. But Laura, tell us about yourself. Um, Ooh. Ooh. Where, <laughs> well, where do you want to start? Well, I mean, if you Google me, you'll easily find out what bra size I wear. Um, because what, what, I also what, work what, as a model. What uh, what what bra size are you? <laughs> well, uh, like, uh, well, just Google it, you'll find yeah, out. Okay, cool. I, I didn't like know. It's a, it's a surprise, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, studied a degree in marine biology and in law from mm. the University of Wollongong. And while I was at university, I got poached to be a model. And so I kind of went on that little path for a little while. And um, I'd given myself one year to be a model and now it's been 13 years of Oh, really, wow. Yeah, post-university. So I've been modelling full-time for 11 years and moved overseas, moved all around the world, lived in London, lived in New York, travelled extensively for that job, um, always coming back to my passion of ocean and marine biology. And I was working and writing for some marine biology websites while I was away. And then once I moved back to Australia, I knew I had to get back to my passion, mm. which was environment and ocean. And I started volunteering with a bunch of environmental groups here in Australia, Boomerang Alliance, Take Three, really sinking my teeth into ocean plastic pollution because 
I'd travel so much and I'd seen so much mm. plastic pollution on some of the most remote islands in the Caribbean, in the South Pacific, places where people just didn't even visit and people didn't even live. Rubbish that was 20, 30 years old that was still there buried wow. in the sand. So for me, that really opened my eyes up to what's going on around the world, bringing together my education and my passion and now this first-hand knowledge and going, well, I need to freaking do something mm. about it because I'm leaving a plastic footprint too. Mm. And if I'm educated and I'm still doing it, what are all the uneducated people mm. doing? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, got back to Australia and started volunteering with these groups and essentially got thrust into the world of science communication. Yeah. That I didn't even know existed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, hey, I've got a voice and I can talk. And I had experience being in front of a camera. I was knowledgeable about our oceans and what we can do and also passionate about it. So, I got literally kicked in front of a camera one day to, to wow. speak um, for media. And then it rolled on from there. And here I am today doing a podcast. Yeah. Because I'm fancy. Wow. And so, obviously, that passion for protecting the ocean and the environment has come, I guess, I guess, sort of been – built up by visiting all these uh, exotic locations. Yeah, where's the worst? Oh, well, the worst that I have seen yeah. personally. Uh, I've been to Camillo Beach on the big island of Hawaii and that is just covered in microplastics. Is that the one they refer to as Plastic Island? Yeah, it's yeah. really bad. And you'll go – so it took us about five hours to four-wheel drive there through these kind mm. of lava fields. And you get there and you look and you think, oh, the beach, you know, it's covered in shells or whatever. And then you get up close and you can literally pick up handfuls of microplastic and that you can see turtles foraging just five meters away from where that is. So that was really bad in terms of microplastics. Um, in terms of bigger macroplastics, uh, places in Turks and Caicos were really bad. Um, sorry, where's that? Sorry. In the Caribbean. Okay. Yeah. So some of the islands within there that just no one lived. There was no one living there. And then last year I travelled to the outer islands, remote islands of the Great Barrier Reef. and I was, Oh, with Parley. Yeah, I was really disappointed. And so what did you see there? Uh, lots. Uh, basically, we went on an expedition, a fact-finding mission to work out how much plastic there is on these outer uninhabited islands and what sort of infrastructure we need to clean it up. Mm. And basically the, the figure came back as a 1,000 kilograms of plastic per one kilometer of um, ocean front beach. So, so just say kilo, that number again. A it, kilo a meter. A basically. kilo of plastic per linear meter of yeah. beach. Yeah, it was bad. So we were finding, and we you know we took about eight hundred kilos of plastic away, which was nothing. Mm. We were finding lots of marine rope, uh, fishing nets, fads, which are fish aggregating devices that yep. commercial fishermen use to bring all the fish together and capture them mm. nice and easily. Uh, solar panels, lots of toothbrushes, thongs, and I think there's a lot of people in Southeast Asia just walking around with one shoe on. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite funny you say that because um, the Indonesian government have actually been to visit the Northern Territory government because they they know where it's coming down from and Aussies, and I think in that parlay sort of promotional things that I, I watched – you know, a lot of it's actually Australian as well. That's mm. actually going up. For, uh, the CSIRO estimate fifteen hundred and sixty kgs of plastic are going in our waterways every hour. Mm-hmm. Aussies have got to start doing something about this. You know, it's, this is not a, a problem out of sight, out of mind. It's Asia. Yeah, no. it is on our doorstep. Yeah, it's interesting those examples you refer to because they are remote locations without really any significant. Uh, human in, direct human influence. Uh, they haven't got a, a car park next door to the, the beaches you're referring to. So that plastic is obviously coming from a, a distant location. 
but but uh, the plastic that we see in Australian waterways from CSIRO research has shown that it is essentially the majority, the vast majority of the plastic we see on Australian waterways and Australian beaches is from Australia. Of course it's from yeah. Australia. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, we we found a lot of things from Asian countries and they've, you know, had obviously come along that south equatorial current and mm-hmm. dropped down, but there was so much from Australia too. Mm. And you can tell that through the labels. It's really yeah, you easy. Yeah, you can see it. Cool Ridge and Mount Franklin everywhere. But I think a lot of Aussies don't realise that though. No, 100%. They, they think, oh, the Great Pacific Cabbage Patches, oh, it's, it's all coming from Asia or somewhere else. It's someone else's problem. But it, it's it's everyone's problem really. Yeah, I mean the ocean has no boundaries just as our atmosphere has no boundaries. So what happens overseas affects us here and what mm. we do here affects other people mm. and we need to take responsibility for that. Part of the solution is communicating the science. Mm-hmm. So creating awareness around an issue. So we, we – we, you can look at a beach and go, oh, wow, look at all that plastic. And then you've got to think, well, where's that coming from? And then, okay, where's it coming from? What can we actually do about it? Uh, and uh, whilst we talk about a lot of environmental issues like climate change and, and deforestation and, 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 and marine plastic is certainly a massive uh, environmental issue, it's one that we can actually readily solve. But I guess part of the solution is, okay, identifying the solutions that actually working collaboratively together and implement them. There's so many of these groups out there, beach cleanup groups, uh, so many volunteers out there doing some great stuff, but it's all like we're f***ing ants going off on you know, different locations. Mm. If we had all those resources and one common goal, well, I think we'd do a lot better. You know, we were down in Bondi and how many um, volunteers turned up? And it's like one gross pollutant trap would save a 100 people's whole yeah. Sunday. And we, we, we started 14 years ago. I think we're called Ingal Environmental Services at the time. We had a little office down in Parowina Road. Uh, and uh, oh, I know that. I remember that. I'm from Cronulla. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. shy, girl. Parowina Road, ter- um, 46 Parowina Road. And we wondered why there. there a brothel there, too? That's, 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 exactly <laughs> we, that's exactly where we were. wondered why it was so cheap. Oh, yeah, why do you know that? <laughs> we, used to, we used to finish work, literally, and the ladies, we wondered why the. And the ladies were like next to us, were like night girls. And, and we, we started in that little uh, office down there. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, we started there and then we moved through and we're called Stormwater 360 and it wasn't uh, I was at the litter conference two years ago and head of the EPA didn't know how litter got out the ocean and at that point you know, I went off oh, really absolutely <laughs> and um, and then I was presenting to uh, the Green Building Council and uh, a guy a lovely guy called Jorge um, Jorge uh, Chapper he at the end of it he said Jeremy what, what you've just told me is absolutely amazing he goes, when I woke up this morning, looked at my calendar and saw Stormwater 360, he goes, oh, can't be bothered meeting these guys. But he goes, you've got to change your name. You're protecting the ocean. So we went, right, this is it. And what we've done is really become a social enterprise. So we make money from building and designing, supplying uh, stormwater treatment assets. And that's what we've been quite successful in doing here in Australia. And I'd like to say we're, we're the number one guys, but everyone will say that they're number one. But anyway, but what we've done now is move more into a social enterprise. So we are investing heavily in ad- uh, advocacy and education. Um, so we're doing a bunch of things and we've invested um, money with like Take Three for the Sea and partnering with grassroots organisations. Uh, we've got some lofty goals. We'd like to have an, an ocean protection module within every school by 2022, I believe, using augmented reality. Um, Ooh, fancy. Yeah, fancy. I've got a friend down in Melbourne who's going to help me with that. Um, so one, you know, educate the kids for the future. 
And that's bloody hard. Like when we said that goal, well, I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll nail it. And then now I understand what you got to do. You got to, you got to, you know, state by state, school by school. You got to get the teachers on board. Uh, it's a mind. So basically, yeah. um, and that and our advocacy. So getting out and talking to people like yourself, going out and putting ourselves out there to, to, to let people know. I mean, the majority of people think that all the pollution in our ocean comes from people uh, at the beach. Bullshit. If you put a cigarette butt out in Penrith, it's going to end up in the ocean. If you're in Ride, if you're in Cronulla, if you wherever it is, it ends up in the ocean. We're using the ocean as our as our bloody toilet, mm. um, and we're going to do something about it. Um, and, and so, yeah. So, why a lot of you know, for, if you use a plastic as an example, it's, it can be quite depressing, and you can be despondent by seeing the amount of plastic in our oceans and our beaches, but. The 80% of the plastic in our oceans is coming from land and, and primarily getting there via stormwater runoff. So we look at that and go, yeah, there's a problem, but we can actually, oh, we're part of the solution. So, uh, if it's, if it means small stormwater treatment assets, by all means, yeah, but ultimately it also means a whole bunch of other things. You know, people littering less, using less plastic in their day to day lives, reverse vending machines. And I know you do a little bit of work with Tomer as well. Um, so, but all these, Things are part of the puzzle, but I guess, uh, I guess primarily what we're trying to do is raise awareness and attention, and I guess that's what you're doing a super job at. Yeah, a little yeah. bit better than us. Yeah, yeah. You're probably, you've got Slightly. a few more Instagram followers yeah. than we do. We did check out eighty-seven thousand Instagram followers or whatever. That's only because people know my bra side. <laughs> um. so, so getting back to that, so you're you're obviously a model. Um, you're. Beautiful woman. Like, I don't think I've ever seen Jeremy more, uh, more uh, Blush. blushing. <laughs> there's, a, there's a very much a pink tinge to Jeremy's complexion today. It is warm as hell. <laughs> it's actually it really warm here. And we're drinking a beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're sure. having a, it's nice beer. <laughs> but you've yeah. obviously, like, you could have, I guess, done the normal thing and become a, uh, like, to be a very successful model and just stuck to that essentially. Oh, no. Everyone yeah. get, but but, but, what, but hold on, modeling's pretty bloody hard though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Tell it's, um, Okay, so I, my my ambition was never to be a model. Uh, I was scouted and I thought, hey, we'll give this a little shot for a little while and yep. then it just kind of snowballed and kept going, uh, which has given me an amazing platform mm. to yep. talk about the things that I'm really passionate about and what I want to change um, to create a healthier future. But the modeling industry itself, it's, I mean, it's interesting. It's yeah. an interesting world. I, you know, I have made it what I've wanted wanted it to be um i work as a curve model so i don't what's a curve model um basically anyone that likes to eat and drink um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so uh, yeah, the curve industry is anyone basically over an australian size 12 uh i so don't know what that is. so a that's... normal average size woman basically oh yeah because so, the modeling industry is about twigs you know like- yeah and so for me i've never been a part of that i've always been my size and um i said you know if anyone wants me to change and i've been asked to put on weight and i've been asked to lose weight um and i've always just given them the big middle finger is that right yeah because for me not wanting to have been a model and not having that ambition to be one i wasn't prepared to change myself for other people and i just thought well i'll just go back to being a scientist that's really easy yeah. that's what i wanted to do in the first place so uh for me uh, yeah. that's pretty cool yeah yeah say. it is and i think that's probably why i've been successful as well because of the fact that i didn't give two shits mm. about what other people think um and i was comfortable with myself and my body so i just did my own thing and and it's really worked and it, mm. and it has given me this amazing platform to jump off and be like mm. hey 
don't worry about fashion. What about the environment? Yeah. Um, but there's a great message in the fashion industry as well with mm. sustainable and ethical fashion, which is part of what I talk about as well as a science communicator. And that's the thing I, I've mentioned a few times on this podcast. When you live consistent, consistently with your own values, the universe sometimes has a means of just conspiring to support you. Oh, totally. And, and that seems to be the case for you as well. Like you've gone, no, I'm, 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 for sure I'm a model. That's how I make my money, but I'm not going to change my own values. Yeah, is there much money in modeling? I'm not asking what's in your bank account. <laughs> well, not at the moment. Uh, yeah, there can be. Yeah. Um, a lot of people that aspire to be models actually get into a lot of debt. Wow, um, trying really? to be a model because there's a lot of upkeep and, you know, looking nice and looking fancy and then going overseas and not working right. for a while. But okay. I have been pretty lucky and, you know, I always said as well that if I wasn't making money, then I would just leave because I'm I'm not going to do that to myself. But, um, no, I've been, been fairly successful and it's allowed me to – go and work in the environmental industry when I mm. wasn't being paid for that and I was essentially volunteering uh, for a really long time. So, it gave me that stability to to be able to lend my voice in that space. In terms of that advocacy work, can you, you've done some really, really cool things. So, you mentioned uh, before we started recording, you went to Antarctica last year. Yeah. Tell us about that. I went away to Antarctica with Homeward Bound Project. It was Women in STEM Leadership course. So, mm. it went for a year. I was selected to be a part of it. We had 60, oh no, sorry, 80 women between the ages of 23 and 65 from 17 different countries. It was in, absolutely incredible. And we had been doing the course before we went to Antarctica. And then we spent three weeks on a boat traveling around Antarctica doing the course and also obviously going to land and hanging out with yeah. penguins and watching leopard seals eat and thrash penguins against glaciers, <laughs> which was <Wow>. awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to see that. Yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I had three things on my bucket list to see when I was there. Orcas, saw those. A leopard seal eating a penguin, saw those. <laughs> <laughs> and humpback whales feeding because we don't get to see humpback whales feeding yeah, on the east coast of Australia moving. when they're migrating. Yeah, so I got to see that down there and it was sick. Did you get, did you get in the water? Uh, we did do a polar plunge. Yes. Whoa! So that was refreshing. Yes. Yeah. A little bit. Um, what, what's one it like degree. down there? I mean, it, you've obviously travelled the world. What? Yeah, uh, it's spectacular. It's really hard to describe when people ask you what it's like. It's obviously very, quite monotone: greys, whites, mm. um, a bit of blue, and then you get some patches of green from the mosses that grow down there. It's Kind of like a Petri dish for watching climate change happen. Can you, can you talk about the Petri dish? Like, so you were doing some research down there or the, sorry, the collective group were doing some research down uh, there? Not as such, but we did um, 
work with some of the scientists in different locations at the stations there to have a look at what they have noticed over time and how they've documented climate change. And you can really see at one station in particular, Palmer Station, which is a US station, they have been documenting the receding glacier at their station for the last 50 years. And it's actually retreated so much that new forms of land have been uncovered. So they've got new little islands around there now. Uh, because the glacier has, has receded so much. I can't believe people still deny global warming. What? You know, you know like. Well, it just comes back to the uneducated. Well, I don't know, but the, well, who? The people that are denying it? They're educated. They're doing it for a bloody reason. But when you physically go down and see that for yourself, you must be like, I mean, look, look, ScoMo's had a bit of a routing for me, but. Come on, mate. Puck up. I mean, it's when I mean, you physically see that happening. God, it must be it must be unreal, sort of feeling. I mean, yeah, de- how, how, definitely. What were your feelings then? Were you? Um, yeah. Well, when you sit on the shore and you watch a glacier carve in front of you, and you hear it, and it's completely surrounds you like surround sound, and then you get this little tidal wave come up the shore to where you're standing. It's surreal. Yeah. Yeah. And you're witnessing it and it's happening. And I know that, you know, there is natural ice melt and there's natural carvings, but this is happening faster than it's ever Mm. happened before. And we know it's anthropogenic change. Mm. And that's something- What's anthropogenic? Anthropogenic. Human caused. uh, Yeah. It's caused by humans. Cool. So, we're in the Anthropocene right now Mm. because we are the ones that are affecting the outcomes of what's happening Mm. and what's going to happen. And you say you say you can't believe. I, I can't believe because wh- wh- who's in power? It's the people with it's the people with money, and the people with money have always a vested interest. But there's but there's money and 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 getting the right, mate. No, but there's more money in keeping things the way things are. That's the problem. Well, I, that's where I disagree. Well, I, I think the people in power uh, have a vested interest in keeping things the way they are, they maintain the maintain the status quo. Uh, and historically, the people in power have also controlled media outlets. So when we turn on the t- TV and we we get bombarded with various news stories, very rarely. Are they talking about the environmental issues, the retreating of glaciers, et cetera, that, that the scientists in Antarctica are experiencing firsthand and a, and a, and a boatload full of 80 women of all sorts of uh, demographics are experiencing firsthand. You often don't hear that. You often hear about other issues. Why? Because the people in power are the ones controlling media outlets. And I think this is, this is the, the time that's I think in our sort of generation, that is changing. It's so easy for a couple of knuckleheads like me and Jeremy to get a, uh, a knucklehead. Pod- speak for yourself. <laughs> or a knucklehead and an esteemed colleague of mine <laughs> to get a podcast machine and reach uh, uh, literally thousands of people every week on a, on a podcast. It's 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 an incredible opportunity for us. Well, and then you get someone after, like after this goes live, we yeah. should be global. But then you, know? you, then you see someone like you, yourself, like someone yourself who's got a great platform. Uh, you've got what, eighty thousand or so Instagram followers, amongst other sort of. Uh, influential sort of means that you, you have. on Twitter? No, I'm really bad on Twitter. But you, oh, oh, yeah, I'm just bad. I'm but, too lazy. You, but you have this ability through the age of social media uh, to reach an audience and create awareness and understanding of a key issue that can be solved. And that's actually, to me, in my opinion, that's new. That's actually something we're only experiencing in this generation. So yeah. that, for me, fills me with optimism. I think that, um, yeah, so while social media can be seen as a real negative mm. for some people, it is definitely a positive in that space because yeah. I can use my platform. So people that follow me for the modeling and the body positivity side are now getting my environmental messages and yeah. vice versa. So it's it really has opened up the world to more information and – um, yeah, but okay, but I'll just on that though, everyone's seen a straw and up a turtle's nose. Mm. 
you know, I, I agree with what you're saying and totally 100% respect what you're doing and, and I agree with what you're saying, Brad, but people almost become immune to it. Yeah, they do if they're – well, There's, I think there's a few ways around that. Mm. They see it once and they go, oh, yeah, cool, mm. and then keep going on with their day or they're bombarded with it and they're like, oh, just mm. shut up. Yeah. I've had enough. And no, I know that feeling, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Did someone say vegan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, that was a low hit, wasn't it? Uh, you'll get hate mail. Go, I'm just going to grab my vegan wrap and just talk to my uh, I, 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 we, I actually got a bit of hate mail from one of Brad's mates going, why, why, why is the managing director of the company who doesn't support veganism? So I'll be It's a great vegan. question. Well, hold on. Ooh. Hold on. Ooh, what a twist. <laughs> no, no, anyway, no. Get, uh, yeah. anyway, getting back to we'll you. We'll get back Laura. to you and you're vegan. <laughs> uh, I think the issue, yes, while we individually can definitely make change and we can definitely educate people, it comes down to a multifaceted totally. stakeholder approach. Totally. We need everyone involved, including government. Yep. And whilst our government in Australia at the moment isn't willing to budge, that's when it comes down to individuals and corporations like yourselves mm. and, and myself mm. to educate. Uh, and I think once we get a really good groundswell, which we are seeing mm. now, that fosters a top-down approach. Yeah, totally. Um, and that's what's really significant. And we have seen it in the past. Um, we saw it with container deposit mm. legislation. You know, yeah. I started working on that uh, with the Boomerang Alliance when I moved back to Australia in 2012. Mm. And they'd been working on container deposit legislation for years before I came mm. along and, and was involved. And to see that come into place in the last couple of years and be really successful, and just we've just gone through two billion containers in New South Wales yeah, being awesome, returned, which yeah, is unreal. Yeah, it's cool. And seeing how it can work, but that was people power that did that essentially. Yeah. And it's about that information, which you, which we this is obviously the purpose of this podcast and some of your uh, social media sort of activities, but it's also about empowering individuals like the the, the one, in one example that comes to mind and i actually only recently started following you on instagram and it oh. wasn't because of your stalking modeling your whatever <laughs> because, I, because i actually met well, you at the lovers festival i thought what a lovely what a lovely lady but i was hoping that you'd actually come on our podcast one day and lo and behold the universe has conspired to bring us uh, both all, all together but you did a post i remember thinking i, I needed to buy a pair of jeans and i was thinking oh i to be honest, I don't go shopping. Obviously, mate. We've <laughs> got to work on his three cents, honestly. <laughs> like, he teaches me a lot of things, but hey, I can help him out a few things. But that's so. the thing. I do need help. And, and I just happen, <laughs> <laughs> I just happen to stumble across your, uh, on one of your feeds one day. You're wearing women's jeans, mate. <laughs> I'm You're coming welcome. to, you, you plugged the fact that we need to think about where our clothes are coming from. And, and you, I think they might have done a plug for nudie jeans or something like that. Or, or, or was it, or more about just sort of think, having a think about. A nudie imp- jeans good. Yeah. Environmentally. Yeah, they're, uh, they're pretty good. There's, there's a lot of brands out there doing some good stuff. But I, yeah, I didn't know. I thought pair of jeans is a pair of jeans, but these guys, as an example, uh, they have a lifetime warranty on their jeans. All their all their products are made through uh, Vibe with oh, Organic. Oh, these are the ones you're telling me that if it rips, so you take them back. Yeah, and they give yeah you, you take them back yeah, and they totally. repair them for you, which is pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So I, I, didn't, I wasn't worried Because I rip my jeans a lot. So what I'm talking about <laughs> is just a little social media post by you at least got me thinking about, okay, what's what's a, a more educated or better uh Decision that I can make when it comes to, in this case, buying a pair of jeans. And when you, when you multiply that by, in, in Laura's case, 83,000 followers, um, amongst other sort of, um, influences that you have. And it has to be said, 
your list of activities and partnerships and collaborating groups is unbelievable. Yeah, I've worked with a lot of people, which has been great. But that's awesome because it spreads the message even further. Exactly. And I think that's been a benefit of working in the fashion industry as well, Mm. has been able to help influence people in that space Mm. and then work with brands that are actually doing really good things too. Because there's a lot of people talking about doing good things. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of greenwashing and jerking off going on. Yeah. Well, uh, (laughs) (laughs) getting on (laughs) <laughs> the tumbleweed who's, just rolls through. Going red now. Did she just say joking? What did she say? <laughs> My no. mum listens to this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, no, no. Brad's mum. Helen, Helen, <laughs> Helen gets me for saying what bugger. Yeah, you say bugger and I say bloody occasionally. Yeah, and Helen's like, Jeremy's swearing heaps. Like, <laughs> like, and then yeah. we have this gorgeous Laura come along. And well, we might just put this one down as X-rated. <laughs> and, and, and Helen, you can listen at your own will. Can, I'm, I'm from Cronulla. So, so you're, you're obviously very aware of a whole bunch of environmental issues and doing a lot of uh, great work. But can I ask you, are you optimistic or, or a bit despondent about the start, current state of affairs? I've definitely been despondent and been through a period of environmental depression mm. um, in terms of just feeling like helpless, yeah. we can't do anything, what's the point of me even talking about this, boom, you know, no one's listening. But then I realized that my real purpose is to educate people mm. on solutions and what they can do as an individual, change behaviors, and then for them to either do that actively or subconsciously and have that trickle-down effect. So I realized that me being apathetic was not doing anything mm. to serve my purpose because people see me be apathetic and they're like, well, she yeah. she thinks it's bad, so why would we care either? Yeah. We'll just keep going along in our merry way. Uh, so I, I am actually hopeful mm. and the amount of change I've seen just in the last two years yeah. has been exponential and yeah. I think it's really, really proactive and positive. We do need to be moving faster, yeah. a hell of a lot faster, and people need to be getting on board. But the thing is there's so many great brands out there now and corporations doing the education, getting feet on yeah. the ground, getting their hands dirty and educating their uh, consumers yeah. and their employees as well about yeah. what they can do, which is really positive. Yeah. And what we're seeing is consumers uh, through better education and awareness are making more informed decisions, which is driving the obviously the product companies. So, for example, Adidas are looking to make all of their – they've made a, a line of sneakers uh, made of uh, recycled – is it ocean plastic, yep. I think, by memory? And I think they're looking to use all – all recycled plastic for all of their sneakers in the not too distant future. As one example, I mean, you mentioned Tomra, the success of the reverse vending machines in New South Wales alone. It's incredible numbers. So we're seeing a lot of groups having a lot of success, which I think is really, really positive. But it's also really, it's empowering. It feels good. And obviously as a, as a fashionista like yourself, like you obviously a very conscious consumer. Um, but still, I'm, not, I'm definitely not a fashionista. Really? Relative no. to what's a fashionista or uh, someone who's, very fashionable. I'm like, sitting here. Now. Mate. Actually, this shirt, I think this shirt is about nine years old. Go, You're mate. still looking pretty groovy as far as I'm concerned. I think it's got holes in the pits. You can still wear a shirt that's nine years old with holes in the pits and look great. Exactly. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, actually. you could not pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> where, yeah. where are we going with this? <laughs> I don't know. Where have we gone? Um, but that's the thing. I think it's important. Like I was having a conversation with a friend of mine just a couple of nights ago and she was saying the same thing. She was saying she's been very despondent and depressed about environmental issues and the message I sort of said to her was, was like, look, you're the hero. You're, you're the one of the heroes that this planet has been waiting for. And to be honest, there's no planet B. And and the environment, the society, the whole 
ecosystem doesn't benefit by you being depressed and not doing anything. You've got to look after yourself. You've got to be positive because yeah, sometimes there's it's a, hard, mate. It, don't get me wrong. A lot of things are hard I in woke, life. I woke up yesterday going, I. Uh, I've just been back in New Zealand. Yep. Um, woke up yesterday morning. We've got a, we've got a number of issues going on, you know, with work. And I woke up yesterday morning and just going, I just don't know if I can handle this mm. day, you know. And then a few things change, and it's a, it's 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 hard for us because we deal with government agencies. Mm-hmm. For any business out there that deals with government, shit, it's hard <laughs> because I mean, you know, how many councils here? Thirty three councils here in New South Wales. We've got no state legislation with stormwater quality. You yeah. know, there's no money. Yeah, there's no you know yeah. decisions. Yeah, there's, made. Always, there's always there's always no money. Yeah, there's me, always me, no money. Me and Jeremy come into various meetings. Jeremy and I, I Jeremy and I, Jeremy and I, we often come into meetings. Helen. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy and I come come into meetings. And give you an example. I was in a meeting literally yesterday afternoon with a government agency. I won't mention names. Do it. And I was saying, I was saying, hey, look, plastic's a massive issue. 80% of ocean plastic coming from our, our, uh, our land sources, land-based sources. It's primarily stormwater. We can fix this solution. We just got, what we tar- what we suggest is a zero littered ocean target. We need to be, a, but we need to break it down into little steps. We need to maintain our stormwater treatment assets appropriately. It's just a very simple low-hanging fruit we can do. And their response was, oh, look, there's a lot of things we should be doing. So me and Jeremy <laughs> often come into, and, and I was like, oh, we're looking to revise the policy around that sometime soon, you know, sometime in the next maybe one year or two years. But, you know, there's a lot of things we need to do. Is me and Jeremy come into a lot of these meetings. Jeremy and I, again, come into, get it right. <laughs> Jeremy, and I come into a lot of these, <laughs> Jeremy and I come into these, a lot of these meetings with a whole bunch of passion and enthusiasm and we're just smacked down uh, with apathy and just lack of mojo, for want of a better word. And also – Lack of education of those people. Some of these people in these roles, they're uneducated. Mm. Like, as you said before, these people that you've been meeting are like, I didn't even know anything about this. Like, what the hell are they put into these roles for, yeah. especially some people around environment? Like, yeah. They have no idea. Totally. They've come from a pencil pushing, you know, accountancy background and now in this role and know nothing. Mm. And how can we well, expect them to make any decisions well, regarding see, our future? Yeah, 100%. And and I think we've found a little bit of success and, and it's in our little bubble of showing people stormwater's yeah. out of sight, out of mind. No yeah. one gives a rat's ass about stormwater. It's rain. It cleans our cities. You wake up, you're like, oh, great, it's great. But physically, the old Instagram or whatever it's called, going out there and taking photos and actually showing people has been very powerful because you can't unsee something. Yeah. Um, exactly. Too many people are sitting behind a desk, never get out. I mean, I've, you know, we, we used to give away umbrellas, um, to people to encourage them to get out when it rains because that's when you see mm. you know, all this down yeah. the roads and stuff. Mm. But still, it's just a bureaucratic. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't know quite what it is and I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to um, say something that's going to really piss off councils, but like, because because we have to work with them exactly. But you know, I, I don't think it's an individual person's fault. I think it's this. But but a lot of the time, councils will tell, run. But in in the defence of councils, and I, I used to be on succumbent to a council for uh, for uh, about three years. Um, they are often doing the best that they can with the resources that they currently have available. So that's, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's so not the individual yeah, fault. Yeah. So often, for example, we're saying we need to maintain stormwater treatment assets. They'll be like, we, we just haven't got the staff or the money to do that. Simple as that. But I, the, I guess that's sort of the, one of the reasons why we do what we do and how uh, social media is so influential is because, like Jeremy says, we take an issue like pollution or marine pollution that is historically out of sight, out of mind, and we're raising it to the surface and getting it in people's attention to essentially 
break so that to so people can make that connection between their day-to-day activities and what is actually happening in our oceans and environment and then subsequently driving change thanks for listening to the ocean protect podcast episodes are released weekly and the next episode will feature part two of this chat if you'd like to find out more about us and what we do check us out at oceanprotect.com.au